Welcome to Gap Hill Church. Let's stand together. Lord, we lift you, we magnify you. Oh, yeah, happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day, everybody. Have you come to bless the Lord? The Heavenly Father, giver of life, we lift you, Lord. We magnify you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's sing to the Lord. I've heard a thousand stories of what they lead your life, but I've heard a tender whisper of love in the dead of night, and you tell me that you're pleased and that I. Amen. 
our lives. And if we truly trust God, we trust God, don't we? We trust God. Well, then, God, how is all this going on in my life? It's a mess. But he is perfect. He had the perfect plan for our lives. He is perfect. And, Lord, we lift you for that now, that you love us. We magnify you. We glorify you because you are perfect. And you have a perfect plan and will for our lives. And we thank you for that, Lord. Hallelujah. To us, you are perfect, Lord. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. And you are perfect in all of your ways. To us, you are perfect in all of your ways. You are you, Lord. We praise you, O Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Happy Father's Day to everybody out there today. Do I have any fathers that did not sign up for this drawing I'm about to do? Anybody that's a father right now, and you, I've got one over here, Brother James, one over here, Brother Chavis right there on the, on the outside. Brother Chavis over here, Brother James, right over here. Anybody else? Anybody else? All right, I got one more. Anybody else? I got two. Any other fathers didn't sign up? This is your one and last opportunity. You got one right there? Y'all wave high where James can see. Stand up if you have to. Just let him see you. <laughs> All right, guys, I'll go ahead and... Uh, do you mind spreading those out for me, buddy? So what we got there is um, a $50 gift card to Lowe's, $50 gift card to Home Depot, 25 to Texas Roadhouse, another two 25s to Darden's, another 25 to Texas Roadhouse. There's two of those, Brian. And then there's two $50 cash, which you just saw in those envelopes. I did pretty good there. I think I got them right. All righty. Thank you, Brother James. I appreciate that, sir. All right, guys. I'm going to stir these things up really good. I'm going to let a lady pick or choose these. That way that none of us men are accused when we win. Got to keep it straight. Come on, Melissa Riddle. You what? No bias. What do you got? Herschel Eads is first. Come on up, Herschel. Grab whatever you want. First come, first serve. Tanner Reinhardt. Come on down, brother. All right. I'm going to need you to go a little to the right. No, I'm just playing. I can't, I can't even say. Whoop. That might be me. Hating on the bottom. All right. Danny Coker, they always go for the cash first. Got to take the cash. Can't turn down the cash. I personally like eating, but you can use the cash for eating if you want to. James Hooper worked so hard this morning. Come get your prize, James. You've earned it. I cannot answer that question. Um, I think that... Yeah, that's Brad Mickler written, written backwards. Did the kids do this for you, Brad, or did you do this? Because if you did it, this is disturbing. All right. <laughs> Go get what you want, Brad. No, we got more. Who's this? Ray Mize, Ray Mize, where are you, Brother Ray? Y'all want to come get it for him? There you go. All right, we got a couple. That'll be two more left after this. I need a deeper well. All right, so we got two Dardens and Texas Roadhouse left. 
Andrew Bagwell. All right, it's either Texas Roadhouse or Darden Restaurants, which is Longhorns. Don't forget that, brother. Anywhere from Texas. All right, Benny Morton. Come on down, buddy. You got the last one. So, good job. Last shall be first, my friend. That's what our Bible says. All right, guys. Man, thank y'all. Happy Father's Day. Let's give our fathers a hand clap again if we could today. God bless y'all. Um, got a couple quick announcements. Gap City Kids Fundraiser will end today. Uh, today's cake was made by my mother-in-law, Donna Johnson. It is back here. It's a Hershey's chocolate cake. And we're going to wait till the end of service to draw for that so I can make sure nobody slips out uh, until I get finished preaching. And uh, the total that we ra- and I'm serious about that. The total that we raise, I mean, I am. The total that we raised for the playground project just off of Cape Salon was $1,350. So can we give God praise for that? Amen. We are currently looking into, um, uh, if you know anybody that would like the old equipment, we will give it to them, all right? We're going to end up posting on Facebook. So if you know anybody that you have that would like to have it, we're fine with that. We'll let them come and take that stuff off, be perfectly fine. If that fails after the next couple weeks or so, uh, we're just going to go ahead and make plans to tear it down. And, uh, and then our next step will be grading and getting that, that. We have a drainage issue out there, so I'm talking to a couple people about that. And, um, and then we'll be on the road, at least getting, getting it prepped. All right? So thank you for your giving. Uh, also, for requests for Everett Crenshaw families, we just laid Everett to rest this past week. Let's continue to pray for that family that God would be, be with them. He was a wonderful man. I loved him dearly. Just a great church member, and he will be missed. But we will continue to pray for Miss Kathy and for uh, all of the children and the grandchildren that God will be with them during this time. Have you come to worship Jesus today? Amen. Amen. Pastor Brian, come lead us to worship some more if you would, sir.
You know, Pastor Brian helps me out in office sometimes with ideas, 
And one of the things that he told me this week is, you know, you, you don't want to preach too much of a Father's Day sermon because then you give the women too much ammunition. You said that. All right. No, I didn't say that. So I'm going to take that advice. And I'm a happy Father's Day to you guys. You know we love you. I'm a father, so yay. But I'll tell you, um, I, I'm going a little middle-of-the-road type thing. We are going to use the word man here, but I'm speaking to everybody today on a faithful man with a mighty sword. A faithful man with a mighty sword. If you have your Bible, 2 Samuel 23 is where we're going. We're going to read verse 8 through 10. These are the names of the mighty men whom David had. Josheb, Bashabeth, the Tekamite, chief among the captains. He was called Adino. The Esnite, because he had killed, listen to this, 800 men at one time. That's a tough guy, let's just put it that way. And after him was Eleazar, the son of Dodo, the Aohite, one of the three mighty men with David when they defied the Philistines who gathered there for battle, and the men of Israel had retreated. He arose and attacked the Philistines until his hand was weary, and his hand stuck to the sword. The Lord brought about a great victory that day, and the people returned after him only to plunder. That means they got their reward for being faithful. God always pays us for being faithful. So so here in our scripture, David has three soldiers. There's a lot more than that. But there are three soldiers in particular that are known as mighty men, or mighty men of war. And these warriors are so special to David. The first one being Adino, the Esonite, as we read, he killed 800 people with the spear. There's a guy named Shammah, the son of Agi, which I enjoy preaching about as well. He slew the Philistines in a pea patch. They were coming back for his peas or his lentils, whatever you want to call them. And he stood alone in the middle of that patch and refused for his kids and his family to go hungry. He's one that you can preach on. His name is Shammah. But today I move on to the third man that is named Eleazar, the son of Dodo, the Aohite. He smoked the Philistines. We don't know how many he killed. Can I just go with the number of thousand? It sounds good to me. But he, he slew a pile of men. a matter of fact, the Bible says he was fighting all day. He's weary from fighting. And so he fought until his hand is literally clinging to his sword. Now today I want to keep it simple for everybody. If there is even a kid in our midst today, I want to preach in a way that they can even understand what I'm trying to say today. And I am going to give you six simple points about this guy named Eleazar. And I want you to understand what made this man so special. And there are six points that I'm going to make that show us why this guy is a faithful man with a mighty sword. And he is so special not only to David... He's a special man to God. And the first point would be, he came from behind in life to actually excel in life. When you read the story, and you can go back to 1 Samuel 22, I don't have time to read it all. But King Saul is chasing after David. And the Bible teaches us that there are 400 men that have went with David, alright? It doesn't matter what David goes through, they believe in his vision. They believe that he has been anointed by Samuel to be the next king. They have rejected Saul. They will not serve under him anymore. For Saul has been rejected by God Almighty. So they won't have anything to do with him. So David and 400 men are caught in a cave that is called Adullam. The thing that is interesting about this this cave is that it means, by definition, the place of the squeeze. Is there anybody that knows what I'm talking about? Have you ever been in a place of the squeeze? And, And that is what David is in. That is what... Eleazar, who is with him, one of his mighty men, traveling with him during this time, is what he is feeling. We find that these men are not at the top of their game, but we find that these men are defeated, that they are discouraged, and the Bible also brings a third point, that they were in debt. They felt like they had nothing to live for. You talk about coming from behind. They feel defeated. They feel as if Saul has won. Everything David does, it seems that Saul is always there to fight back. 
They are discouraged because it seems like they're losing. They are not getting ahead in life. All that they find themselves in is a cave that is literally squeezing the life source out of them. They feel as if this cave is is shutting in on them. So these guys, not only that, but they've got a bunch of debt. They need to be working. The last thing they need is to be hid in a cave with their family. But there's times that we must go through a doulum. There are times that we're going to find ourselves a little behind the race in life. There's going to come times that if we're not careful, that life and situations can literally squeeze it out of us. They can, you know, situations can squeeze joy out of your life. Situations, if you allow it to, can cause you to become bitter. Situations can squeeze all of the happiness out of life. No longer do you smile. No longer do you have anything worth living. Have you ever met anybody like that? You wonder why they're so disgusted. It's because they found themselves behind. They found themselves in a situation that is literally squeezing them. I thought just this past week as we were laying uh, Brother Elbert to rest, and I thought of others in this church that have lost loved ones, especially spouses that, that are with them day in and day out. And I thought about it, and I said, man, it's so hard because some of these people... Married 56 years, 40 years, you know, some even 60 years. And and it's got to be a place of the squeeze for them. You know, it's got to be a hard, discouraged, feeling like you really took 10 steps back instead of steps forward. And as I began to think about that, I thought, my God, sometimes if we're not careful, even things like that could squeeze the purpose out of our life. Feeling as if, why are we even here? Why do I exist? Why was I left? We cannot allow any situations that come in our life. I like what Pastor Brian just said. That this God that we serve is faithful. And He's working even when we don't see Him working. There is a plan. There is a purpose. And we have to trust that God is not going to leave us alone in a cave called a doulum. He is going to bring us out. So the next words that I would use is, but... God. I like those words, but God, because a lot of times that's where I find myself in life, in a bad place, but God shows up. So, so God has the ability to take life's rejects, because that's exactly what these guys are. They're depleted rejects. Saul has already cast them to the side. They can't have communion or fellowship with him anymore. They've cast their lot. They've chosen David. They are the 400 rejects. But God can take rejects and He can turn them into something or someone special. Don't you ever forget the story of Jabez I preached on about a year ago, I guess. Maybe longer, maybe two years. Time's flying by. But look at Chronicles with me this morning because I want to remind you of a prayer. In the middle of genealogies, The Bible said that Jabez is called Jabez because he was birthed with pain. His mother birthed him in pain. But Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, In other words, he wasn't going to stay behind in life. He wanted to excel in life. Now, there's some of you sitting in this building that you may be fine with coming from behind. But I'm not. I want to move forward. There's some of you that may be mediocre and you say, man, I just like the way things are. Not me. I'm constantly wanting to excel, move forward in excellence. And that's exactly what he wants. He says, oh, that you would bless me indeed. I told you I pray this every day and you should pray it every day. Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory. That your hand would be with me and that you would keep me from evil. That what? That I may not cause pain. That's what I used to do, but no longer. So God granted him what he requested. Listen to me, somebody. I'm telling you, somebody, that can't, that can't be me, Pastor. Well, you ought to start trying that prayer and wait and see. Because it is not God's will for you to stay behind. It is God's will for you to prosper even as your soul prospers. So all of a sudden, the discarded and the rejected in a cave, they can find acceptance in Christ. You know, have you ever felt unworthy? Have you ever felt unworthy to come into God's presence? Have you ever felt unworthy to be called a Christian? Have you ever felt unworthy when you made mistakes and blunders to even come here and lift your hands and give God praise? 
Has life ever left you that way? Well, I want to tell you something today. You don't have to feel that way. Because there's a God in heaven that through His blood, He has made you worthy. He has made you join heir because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Listen to me. You don't have to stay behind. God wants you to excel more than you ever have before. And you need to believe that today. Eleazar believed it. The discarded and everything. You know, I think about Mary. She's weeping at the feet of Jesus. You remember that story in Luke chapter 7. And there's an alabaster box. And the Pharisees are sitting around eating. And they're holier than thou self-righteous attitudes. And, and when she walks in the room with her alabaster box. And, and she's demon possessed the Bible says. That she's had seven demons. She's not a godly woman. But all of a sudden Jesus looks at them and says wait a minute. They're judging her. As she walks in the room she can feel the condemnation. Who is that? Who does she think she is? Judas is saying what's up with all this oil and perfume and scented stuff? We could have done this and that with it. We could have fed the poor when in reality he knew all he wanted to do was get his dirty hands on that money's all he wanted. He was a, a devil from the beginning the Bible said. So, so here they are talking about this lady but God says wait a minute. You need to leave her alone. She may be rejected in your eyes. She may be unworthy in your eyes. But what this woman is about to do is going to be etched in the very threads of history. Preachers are going to talk about her for years to come. Oh, come on now. There's a woman at the well that I just preached about from John 4 just a couple weeks ago that we suspect possibly it appears she may have lived the life of a harlot. She was rejected, discarded, thrown out by the crowd coming at the well at noonday when there's nobody else around. But when she found Jesus, she left her water pot, she left her old ways, and she goes into the city saying, wait a minute, you may have said I was rejected. You may have said I was behind. But Jesus Christ just caused me to excel. I've went to a place I've never been before. Come see a man that not only did it for me, he can do it for you. So Eleazar is hid in a cave, depressed and broke, but he came from behind. And we read his story and he ended up excelling. Second point, he was loyal to the king. Look at 2 Samuel. This is an interesting verse. David was in a battle. He wanted water from the well of Bethlehem. David said with longing, oh, that someone would give me a drink of the water from the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. So look at what happens. The three mighty men. Yeah, that's Eleazar. Broke through the camp of the Philistines, drew water from the well of Bethlehem, that's by the gate. They took it, brought it to David. But look at what David does. Nevertheless, he would not drink it. What did he do? He poured, this is interesting, he pours it out to the Lord. Now, when I first read that scripture, I mean, I'm sitting here thinking, that's not a nice move to make, David. These guys just risk their life so you can have some water from a well and all you can do is pour it out in front of them. I mean, you wouldn't be offended by that. I mean, if some of you guys got together and we went through the battle line together. You know what I'm saying? And we come back talking about, Brian, we got you some water. He looks at us, I can't drink it. See, there's something in the Hebrew that you can read. And there's something, if, if, if there was ever, the Hebrews would pour out anything, they would not consume the blood of the sacrifice. Now these men, they would pour it out before the Lord because they could not. These men have literally risked their life. See, the blood represented the life, and so they poured it out to God. David recognized that these three men, no doubt, came back with blood pouring. No doubt, came with bruises on them. Maybe cuts on them. But he understood that their lives had been at risk. So he pours it out to God. There are three mighty men that have broke through the host of the Philistines. They have risked their lives to bring him water. Now I want to say something right here. Hey, Jesus didn't risk his life for us. I'm going to say it again. Jesus didn't risk his life for us so we can have this living water. Jesus died for us. I just want you to grab that point. And now we talked about there's living water inside of us. So can I say it? He died so that 
we can live. So today, how can we sit here so staunchy? And how can we sit here so self-righteous as if we've done something to deserve this grace? You see what I feel like I've got to do? I feel like I've got to pour out something to Him. I feel like I've got to offer a sacrifice of praise. I feel like I've got to give Him glory today. And that's all I've got. And I'm going to pour it out to Him because He didn't just risk His life to give me this water he died. Woo, that'll preach, son. So that I could have this living water. How can we sit here and drink up and enjoy the service and enjoy the singing and enjoy the preaching and drink up and then go out the doors and come back next Sunday and let's do it all over again without pouring out something because the life is in the blood. If there's anybody that deserves your praise, it is Jesus Christ, the one that gave you life. Somebody ought to praise Him now. So this guy Eleazar is loyal to his King. Now watch this. There was nothing too dear for the king. In other words, anything for David. If, if, if that's what David wants, that's what David gets. Wouldn't it be great if we had some Eleazars in the house that would say, I'm loyal to the king. And if Jesus wants it, Jesus can have it. Woo! I'm talking about a faithful man. Point three, because I got to be time conscious. Thirdly, Eleazar wasn't fighting for nothing. He believed in a cause. He defied the Philistines. He despised the Philistines. Because the Philistines are the enemy of God. And all the Philistines want to do is take territory from the Israelites. It's all about the land. It's all about the land. Still is with war. People have suggested that's why in an end time battle, they won't want to use nuclear warfare because they want to preserve the land. It's all about the land. They want the land. And so the Philistines would often try to back them up wherever they're camping, and then they take the land. That is why when we read about Shammah, or I told you about Shammah, he stood on the pea patch. What the Philistines were trying to do was to... Everybody else ran. That's why he's a mighty man. Because he stood there and he fought and killed every one of them so that his babies could have something to eat. That's what fathers do, right? I can't go down that rabbit trail. And so he's standing here and what they want to do is push him back. Because once they push him back, guess what the Philistines have done? They own the land. They put a stake in the ground and they say, these are no longer your peas. These are our peas. And so that's what it's about the land. And Eleazar understands that. So he understands that you got something worth fighting for. And he believed in a cause. And that cause was simply the covenant that God had given to the Hebrews. Or the promises that God had given to the Hebrews. How many of you remember on Wednesday night as we were studying it's in the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and Jacob. The Abrahamic covenant. That you'll look up at the stars and that's how many people you'll have and seed you'll have. Look down at the sand, that's your seed. A matter of fact, what did God go as far as to tell Abraham in the Abrahamic covenant? He said, Whew, I'm feeling this today. Everywhere your feet walk, that's your land. I love it, I love it, I love it. So we've got a guy named Eleazar here that actually believes in it. He would not let the enemy take territory that was theirs. But I'm telling you, we've got some wimpy people nowadays and not a lot of mighty men like Aziel, Eleazar that are willing to hold the sword and be faithful and fight the enemy. That is why in the world, that is why in the church, the devil just keeps backing us up. He keeps shutting us up. And all that he's doing is taking our territory. All that he's doing is taking our voice. But I need an Eleazar. I need a few faithful men and women that will start walking again and say, no sir, I believe in what I'm fighting for and that's our territory, devil. Oh, praise the Lord. Here we've got this guy, I'll fight for what I believe in. How about you? Will you fight for what you believe in? 
Point number five. Something that's interesting about Eleazar is he was willing to stand alone. You know, the real truth comes out in a man when he's, when he's alone. It's easier to fight in the crowd, right? I mean, it's easy if, if I got somebody here, brothers in arms. The mentality of the army and the marines and all of these that fight for our nation's freedom. As long as they've got a brothers in arms, as long as they've got somebody behind them that's got their back, right? They know that if something happens to them... I'm not going to leave you on the battlefield bleeding and lying there. I'm going to get you to safety. I'm going to, and they'll risk their life. Whatever. If they're a good soldier. If they're a faithful soldier. They'll do everything within their power to save those that are on the battlefield. Whether they're wounded or not, they go to them and try to save them. But it is so much easier to fight in a crowd. But it is really, really difficult when you're standing alone. This is what makes Eleazar such a special guy. He's willing to fight alone. And when everybody else is gone, he's got a sword and he ain't afraid to use it. (laughs) And he is standing all alone. See, there's something easy about blending in, right? If, If I can join the fight with someone else, right? It's it's like the microphone. If I got a microphone, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, let's do it, let's do it, let's do it, let's go. So, all right, guys, let's sing in the choir. Hope y'all taller than that or we got some little midgets. Anyhow, I get it out. Y'all sing in the choir. Now, it is so easy to jump up there in the choir. Oh, then sings my soul. You can sing as low as you want. All you got to do is just move your mouth. Make sure you're moving your mouth, all right? It just gets awkward when you're singing in the choir and don't move your mouth. At least make people think you're singing. It's so easy. Quentin to sing with the choir. But it's another thing when I take the mic and I say, here you go, buddy. Sing your song. In other words, if I tell you to do it solo, and you're going to say, wait a minute. I don't do solos. I don't do that. I want to sing with the choir. That's the way we are sometimes. We want to blend in and, and fight with that. If, if If somebody else at work will stand against abortion, bless God, I'll jump on that ship with them and I'll stand against it too. But what if nobody in the office will recant abortion? What are you going to do? Is everybody still with me today? What are you going to do? Because sometimes you've got to learn to fight alone. If you recall Daniel, who was with him in the lion's den? Anybody remember your Bible story? When you were a little kid, I don't remember anybody. All that I do remember is there was a bunch of hungry lions. I do remember that. And I do remember what Daniel said when he said, Oh, king, live forever. For my God, my God, my king has sent an angel. And when the lion tried to eat me, guess what? He just shut their mouth. Three Hebrew boys, they come as a trio, but they're in perfect unity. They've got the same cause to stand for. They get thrown in that burning, fiery thing. Who's with them? They're standing alone out of a whole crowd that's bowing down and worshiping this tall, fake God. And all of a sudden, there's three guys in this little patch out of thousands of people that are bowing down. They throw them in the fiery furnace of who's with them? The only thing I recall in my Bible is like Nebuchadnezzar. Did we not? Bind up and cast three men in the fire. He said, but I'm afraid that there's a fourth man walking in the fire. And he looks like he's the son of God. What I'm trying to tell somebody is you may feel like you're alone. But I want to tell you, you are not alone. Because when you fight battles, there's a God in heaven that's going to be right there beside you fighting with you. But there's going to be times i got to stand alone. But Jesus... He shows up. My question today is, are you an Eliezer? Are you a faithful man? Are you a faithful woman? Well, I did good. I'm down to my last point. And here we go. To me, it's the most fascinating part of the story. To me, it's the best preaching point I've got. Because the sword became part of himself. It's as if this guy became one with the sword. It's like he becomes the sword. The sword 
becomes him. They are in perfect unity. I love this. He depended on a weapon. The weapon that he is using is not one that he just grabbed and said, Hey, Jeff, you got a good sword for me? No. This is his sword. This is his. This is the sword he's fought a battle with before. He's used it to win before. Because he understands this is not a new sword. I don't need a new sword. Just give me my sword. And when he gets a hold to this sword, he trusts this sword because this sword has been proven. This sword is tried and true. Can I say to somebody today that the Bible has already told us that the only sword that we need is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Can I suggest to you today that the Word has already been tested? Can I suggest to you today that there are atheists that have tried to disprove it? Can I tell you today that there are scientists that have tried to drown Egyptians in water this deep, but every time they've tried to discredit this sword it has always proven true it is always one and they come back with the solution we don't know what to say it's truth see so this sword is tried it's tested it will stand you know the scriptures heaven and earth will pass away but my word will last forever see I was reading a scripture the other day And it said where God told them, he said these words, or it's Paul writing it, God inspiring it. And he said, we fight not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers, against the rulers of the darkness in the high places. So in other words, you can get a sword, right? It's like the preacher that... That a few kids said he got a phone call and the preacher tells him, says, oh preacher, need you to pray. He said, there's demons. I looked outside my camper. He's living in a camper. I looked outside the camper and said, there's demons dancing all around. Said, I hear them and they're chatting away. He said, I got the shotgun. I've already cocked it and it's loaded. He said, what you going to do with it? My Lord, you're going to shoot yourself because it's no good against the enemy. I can go get all the man-made weapons. I can go get any sword that I want. The samurai sword that the ninjas use the sharpest out there. And I can go and I can fight against the devil. My sword is useless in my hand. But all I've got to do is pick up the sword of the Spirit. All I've got to do is pick up the Word of God. And all of a sudden, a thousand demons are put to flight because they cannot stand against that sword it's a part of me now let me go more into this so so this guy fights until he is literally weary he's tired is there anybody that can feel what Eleazar is feeling because I'm going to be honest with you there are times that quite frankly I've gotten weary from the battle I'm just going to tell you there's times that I've got, I've fought until I feel like I cannot fight anymore. I have had to battle until I feel like I cannot battle anymore. Weary. We're, it's spiritual warfare. It's one fight after the other. It's when I think I'm getting over it and the devil knocks me down yet again. But do you know what my sword says? My sword says, be not weary in well doing for in due season. Hallelujah. You're going to basically reap a reward. A.K.A. you are going to to win the battle and the victory as long as you keep fighting and holding the sword in your hand. Now before I close, I can see him fighting. And Brother Artis O'Shields, he decides maybe I'm going to lay the sword down, right? I'm tired. He's already told us he's weary. I'm going to put the sword down. But when he tries... This is good. When he tries to put the sword down, he can't let it go. 
He has fought so long. I don't know if his hands have gotten just stiff from fighting that he can't even open his fingers because he's fought all day. I don't know, maybe a thousand people this guy's killed. I don't even know. God doesn't disclose it. But he fights until literally he's about to pass out and he tries to put the sword down. And he can't even let go of it because the sword has become part of himself. Can I say something to somebody today? To parents today, fathers, to mothers. Can I tell you something about your children? Can I tell you why your child cannot get away from the truth? Can I tell you why your child, even if they backslid on God and they're in the world and say they don't want anything to do with the church? Can I tell you why? Well, I remember it being Proverbs 20. 215 that said train up a child in the way that they should go and when they are old they will not depart that means that they may try to lay it to the side they may try to get rid of all those scriptures you used to tell them you see today I can quote scripture because my mama just Pushed them into me. I had to learn those scriptures. I had to learn my Bible. And so you try today. It doesn't matter if I quit preaching today. If I went and sat on a bar stool. And if I got drunk. I guarantee you the first thing I'd start doing. Is preaching the gospel. I guarantee you the first thing I'd start doing. Is quoting those scriptures. Because no matter how hard. I try to lay the sword down. The sword has been inbred in me. The sword is threaded in me. It is part of who I am. Oh, man alive. Does anybody get that point or am I the only one? So no, you haven't wasted your time. You haven't wasted your time. They can't get rid of the sword if it's in them. It is understood that the hand is made when you go to pick up a cup of coffee. That almost 30 different bones will go into action. Eight bones in the wrist, five in the palm, 14 in the fingers. That's not counting the ligaments, the nerves, the muscles, and the blood vessels. No wonder we have a God that said you are fearfully and wonderfully made. The sword became part of himself. May the word or the sword become part of us. I have hid your words in my heart that I might not sin against God. Go ahead and play, Susan. I'm quitting. And last point. He gave God the glory for the victory that God had given. Look at verse. Everybody, he's got the, verse, verse 10. Shave it. Let's go to verse 10. And then we'll go back to the title. Eleazar, he arose and attacked the Philistines until his hand was weary. His hand literally stuck to the sword. But the Lord... Brought about a great victory that day. And the people returned after him only to plunder. Did you notice the words? The Lord did it. Not a Eleazar. Not, not the other soldiers. Not the other mighty men of war. It was not a coincidence. It just happened. And we don't know how. The Lord brought a great victory. We must always give God glory for our victories. May we never forget to give God the glory. If you make it in your marriage, it's going to be because God did it. If this church makes it, it's going to be because God did it. If my finances stay blessed, and I believe they will, it's only because God did it. Everything I do, whether you sing, whether you preach, whether you testify of the goodness of God, always remember to give God the glory. This entire story is symbolic of the ongoing spiritual battles that each of us will fight every single day of our life. But not only is it symbolic of the ongoing spiritual battles, it is also symbolic of the victory that every one of us have been promised when by faith we firmly grasp the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, to fight our battles. I want to leave it. Go back to my title screen, Chevy. I want, I want a, a faithful man with a mighty sword and I want to leave you with this as I close today there are some of you in this building today that need a victory but I have a question for you if I may if God 
gives you the victory over your situation. And if He changes it for you, my question is this. Will you give Him the glory? Because I've come to tell somebody today that if you'll remain faithful, if you will give God the glory, God is going to give you the victory. Let's all stand. I'm going to sing for me, brother. A way maker. Oh, my promise keeper. Light in the darkness, my God. That is who you are. Oh, that's who you are, Jesus. Way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper. Light in the darkness, my God. That is who you are. That's who you are, Jesus. That's who you are. Waymaker. Give me that mic. Give me that mic. Come on. 